So Slev kind of walks into my office and uh, he says, Dil, I got this like passion. I want to I preach on hope. I feel like we're going to preach on hope. So he's telling me what he sees to be a message around hope from 1 Thessalonians 5, where Paul says that we're not those who sleep. We're those that are wide awake. There's no point in us forgetting this moment. We are present in this moment. And hope is the thing that holds us present. Hope is the thing that, yes, calls our future out of us, but also keeps us strong in the present. And so he starts unpacking it, to which I reply, but this is a series. Like, we're going to make, we're going to hang here for a while. And so anyway, we start unpacking hope, and here's the big idea. Hope is not a principle to be expressed. It's a practice to be experienced. In other words, we're not just hopeful about life. We are full of hope in our lives. It's like, it's slightly different. So last week, Slev speaks about prayer. This week, I'm super excited. I'm speaking about joy. The big idea for me this week is forget happiness, pursue joy. Like, forget happiness. Happiness is this elusive, uh, broad, sometimes vague uh, kind of understanding or summary of our lives. Whereas joy is a very immediate present moment. And so I want to say, forget happiness. Forget trying to summarize your life and just be present in this moment with joy. They say there's two big ideas that kind of break up joy. One is negativity, which would make sense. Most of us would agree that negativity or criticism or being biased toward the negative, which by the way is what the human heart always does. It always focuses on the negative. It's our bias. But the second thing is this thing called habituation, which is this idea that things that used to bring us extreme joy uh, no longer do. Uh, They've almost lost their appeal. Uh, That could be anything for you. That could be a walk on the beach. That could be a moment with your spouse. It could be a fun time around the table with friends. But what what they say is, psychology tells us that the way we break the cycle of habituation, listen, this is so cool, is to see it through another's eyes. It changes everything. And so to bring an element of joy back into the immediate in our lives is not only to kind of look away from the negative, but it's also to see it through a new lens or see it through another's eyes. This is really powerful. And I think this is what God's trying to say to us as a church today. you're feeling the warm and fuzzies right now, can I get a big amen for moments spent, precious moments spent enjoying each other. Certainly it was fun filming that. I'm so grateful for the creatives in our church, the, the filmmakers and storytellers that help us communicate what I think God's trying to say, which is to see the life of joy through another's eyes. And I'm really excited about today. We're in an exciting series called Hold On, I Still Got Hope. Hold on, I still got hope. Let's jump into the scripture for today. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting at verse 4, says it like this. But you, beloved brothers and sisters, are not living in dark, allowing the day to creep up on you like a thief coming to steal. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night nor to darkness. This is why we must not fall asleep as the rest do. But keep wide awake and clear-headed. 
For those who are asleep, sleep at night and sleep the night away and drunkards get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we must stay alert and clear-headed by placing the breastplate of faith and love over our hearts and the helmet of the hope of salvation over our thoughts. Friends, we are speaking into what it means to place the helmet of hope of salvation over our thinking and thought patterns again. For God has not destined us to experience wrath, but to possess salvation through the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. He gave his life for us so that we may share in his resurrection life in union with him. Whether we're awake or asleep, because of this, encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another just as you've been doing. He goes on to say, encourage one another. And he summarizes his thoughts like this in verse 16. He says, let joy, let joy. I just wanna stop there and just, let joy be a continual feast, he says. Let joy be a continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, always be giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. I wanna tell you that the big idea we're sharing over the course of the next few weeks in this series on hope is that hope is not a principle to be expressed, but a practice to be experienced. Last week, Mark Slevin looked at prayer, the practice of prayer. And what it does is it produces in us a hope-filled life. Not a hopeful life, a hope-filled life. The practices of hope. I wanna read one more scripture as we set up the practice for today, which is the practice of joy. I hope you're ready, Link Church. If it's good to be in church, let us know. Amen, you're excited to be here. Romans 15 verse 13 says this. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His super abundance until you radiate with hope. The practice of joy, friends, is gonna do something in us that produces a hope-filled life. Come on, let's pray together as we lean into God's Word. God, I thank You for Your life-giving Word. I thank you, Jesus, that you have life for all of us. I thank you that there is a beautiful story to be told in our lives. I thank you that there is a preferred future, an exciting destiny for each and every one of us. God, I'm not sure where we're at, what we're thinking or how we're feeling, but we declare today, Jesus, that you're the God of hope who fills us with joy and peace. So permission to do it today. Permission to fill us with joy and peace through your word, through our stories, through the testimony of this church, Jesus. Joy and peace that produce a life of hope in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Good to be with you in church. It's exciting to kind of be back in the house. Last week, Mark Slevin spoke about the practice of prayer. I loved his kind of closing idea that prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. It's doing stuff. When I practice prayer, it's, it's making a way for our lives. Practicing it produces hope in me that moves me toward more of what God has for me. Today, the title of my message is, get ready for it, forget happiness, feast on joy. I gotta say that again, just for everyone that's kind of tuned in. Worship team, you guys were awesome today. One more time, forget happiness, forget it, and feast on joy. I love it how the writer of Thessalonians says it like this, feast on joy, make joy your continual feast. It's almost as if to suggest like, get an appetite for joy. Like just realize that there is so much to be enjoyed. You just gotta learn to feast on joy. It. I wanna get really practical with you today if I can. Really, really practical around what it means to build a life of joy or a practice of joy or feast on joy. All right, so here's the thing. You, 
probably have had some moments in your life that bring you extreme joy. So I've got a question for you as we start up. The question is simply this, what brings you joy? I'm gonna give you some examples and if any of them resonate with you, I want you to literally in the comments tab, write it out. So if what I say is like, that's me, just write it out, all right? Let us know what brings you joy. So let's start with a good old South African bride. If that brings you joy, yes, Mark Slevin, three people, everyone. Rent a crowd in the room excited about a South African bra. If that's you, just let us know. Bra, yeah. Ons gaan no bra. Time with the family. If that brings you joy, write it out in our comments. To good music. Maybe it's the bra and the good music. If, if that's you, just write it out. Just keep, your, just, keep the, you know, just keep it going. Let us know. Sports. You just love watching a good game of sport or you love playing a sport. If that's you, if that brings you joy, write it out. Time with friends. Adventure, does adventure bring you extreme joy? Any sense of new or uncharted territory? What about coffee? Like, and maybe it's just tea, or maybe it's a rusk in the coffee or tea, all right? If that's you, just let us know. That brings me joy. Like, don't be scared. Like, no shame, right? No shame in a good rusk in your tea in the mornings. What about watching a good sunrise or sunset? Oh, that's joy. If that's you, just let us know, sunrise or sunset, all right? What about serving others? If that brings you joy and you just feel like, ah, oh, that was good for me today, serving others, let us know. A good movie, a good movie brings you joy. Worship, being in an atmosphere of worship, does that bring you joy? Let us know. An old school ice cream truck. Like, I know you don't think they're existing and they don't exist anymore, but they do. We have one that drives through our neighborhood. I'm not even sure where he comes from, but I hear the sounds and my kids know the sound well. And it gives us joy, a good old soft serve from an ice cream truck. If that's you, just put the truck emoji, like emoji there. You know, that's gonna help us, all right? Just do that for us. What about watching your children play? What about building something new? Does that bring you joy? Building something new brings me joy. Reading a good book. All our avid readers out there are just like, yes, to a good novel, you know? What about writing something, journaling, or blogging, or whatever it is? What about the beach or surfing? Like being out in the water, if that is you. If you live on the North Coast, I'm expecting you to get on board now. Put the little wave icon in there, right? Just let us know you love the ocean. I'm gonna keep going. What brings you joy? Tell us, tell us what brings you joy. How about a good laugh? Like just a good old, like from the belly laugh brings you joy. Being creative, great food, church, so good to be in church. Does that bring you joy? A great view, flowers bring you joy, a walk in nature, shopping. Like no shame, right? If you like to shop, let us know. It brings you joy, no shame, joy. What brings you joy? Purging, cleaning out your house, colors. Do colors bring you joy? D-R-Y, husbands, listen, just straight up. Before you're like, yeah, that's me, just, just check with her. Like, because you're probably more ideal about it than you are active in it, all right? So just, just disclaimer, all right, let's move on. Something new, learning something new, does that bring you joy? Giving something away, being generous, does that bring you joy? School morning runs, pause, does that bring you joy? Balloons. Like, do balloons bring you joy? Do you just love seeing balloons? Hey, um, I hope you've given us a few things to think about. What brings you joy? But I want you to notice something. I use the word joy very intentionally here. I didn't ask what makes you happy. I asked what brings you joy. 
And again, the title of the message is Forget Happiness, Feast on Joy. The writer of Thessalonians doesn't talk about being happy. He talks about feasting on joy. Now, everything I've just given you were examples in your day-to-day life of feasting on joy. The bra, the time with friends, the sunrise, the the ocean, the, the shopping experience, whatever it is. These are always moments in your day where you feast on joy. And so I wish to just kind of bring a little bit of understanding around the word joy that the Bible uses for just a moment and then a few practical thoughts about joy. And then we close by building lives, practicing joy. The word joy in the Bible literally means calm delight. It's such a cool word. It literally means calm delight. And so when I was with Joel out there on the track and and, and we were busy like filming this thing for Sunday, truth be told, I was just enjoying it. There was a calm delight in me. It was just so fulfilling. There was joy. Joy is a calm delight, right? It's what the writer of Thessalonians is talking about. It's this calm feeling of delight in the moment. Now, happy is different. Happy is quite a vague thing. In fact, psychology would say that happy is very difficult to measure. Like, is your life happy? Like, depends. Am I having a good day, a bad day? Like, is my work going well? Is the, is the economy up? Are my kids kind of doing what I've asked them to? Like, happy is a very broad kind of idea around life, and it's often measured over a long period of time, which is to say it's quite elusive and vague, truth be told. Like, are you happy? Yeah, today I am, tomorrow I'm not. But joy is different. Joy is found in the immediate, which is why I think the writer is saying, don't feast on the illusion of happy. Feast on joy. Feast on what you have now. We're going to talk more about this in just a moment, but I love this idea of how psychologists define joy. They define it as an intense momentary experience of positive emotion. Oh, that's good. Like when I watch Joel like head down the the track or I watch my girls create or dance, it's like an intense Momentary experience of positive emotion. Feast on this, the writer says. Feast on these intense momentary experiences of positive emotion. You see, joy can be measured through direct physical expression. So things like the feeling of smiling or laughter or wanting to jump up and down, we get these things when joy is sparked in us. So to summarize, in my words, happiness may be more an assessment of all of life's moments. Vague. Joy is more an awareness of the life in this moment. Now, there's two things that psychologists would say stop us from experiencing frequent joy in life's moments. The first is that we bias toward negativity. This is not, this is not you and this is not me, this is all of us, right? The human brain biases toward the negative, right? Why? Because we've, we've built our lives trying to survive, right? So we, we look at anything that threatens our survival and we focus on it because we think if we can stay away from it, which is to focus on what's negative and make sure it doesn't come near to us, we will survive. We don't use the word thrive, we use the word survive. Now, I believe God wants us to thrive, but typically, biasing toward the negative is a human thing. You say, oh, that's just so me, Dill. Like my spouse tells me that all the time. Don't worry, she's just like that or he's just like that. We're all like that. We have this bias toward what's negative. It doesn't progress us, by the way, but it's where we bias. But the second thing psychologists tell us, and I think is powerful, that stops us enjoying frequent moments of joy, positive emotions, momentary experiences that produce hope, by the way, What stops us is this word habituation. 
Now, I don't know what that meant up front, so I had to go and look it up. And habituation is kind of this idea that, you know, we do something so many times that it loses its joy. Like, like I've had so many bras that brying is just another thing. We were uh, stranded in Mauritius. I mean, it was a blessing to be stranded there. We were in a lockdown during the first phase of lockdown. And we were there for 72 days and we watched 72 sunsets. Now, habituation would be for us to get so used to the sunset that we find nothing new in it. And psychology would say that these two things, the bias toward negativity and this kind of idea of, ah, oh, it's just another day. Ah, oh, it's just another school run. It's just another bra, just another sunset, just another dip in the ocean. They stop us experiencing joy. Here's the crazy thing. When we stop experiencing joy or stop practicing the experience of joy, we actually start to empty the tank of hope. So we try and live hopeful lives, but because we aren't experiencing frequent joy, we don't have hope-filled lives. I'm gonna give you a few thoughts about joy today that will bless you. By the way, benefits of joy, if you're listening, is they say you live longer. Amen, anybody excited about that? You say you have a bigger mindset. They've, they've proven that people that live with continual feasting on joy or an ability to pinpoint moments throughout a day of joy live with bigger mindsets. They attract more for their lives. I also say that people who live with joy are more resilient to life's crisis, which is quite an exciting thing to think about as well. They say that people who live with joy or smile more often, get this, are more beautiful. Like, it's just like, it's just one of those things, right? Like, it's just what it is. That was a freebie throwaway line. All right, let's jump straight in. A couple of thoughts around joy. If you're with me, shout out, amen. I think God wants us to pray continually, yes, make our lives a prayer, but also believe Paul is saying you need to feast on joy. First thing about joy is it lives in the moment. It was Jim Elliot that said, wherever you are, be all there. Like wherever you are, be all there. Like it's one thing to be in the vicinity of your kids for four hours. It's another thing to be with your kids in that moment. Like just five minutes. They don't need all four hours. When, when we're on holiday, often the words that I hear from them are, watch me, daddy. Like, watch me, Daddy. Not like, Daddy, could you be here? Or, Daddy, could you hear this? Or, it's just, Daddy, do you see me? You see, to be present is to be in the moment. Joy has this ability to be in the moment. It's just, to be present is powerful. We bought a fire pit recently. You know why? We wanted to freeze time. And it worked. Like, we literally bought a fire pit and we burned it up. And when it's burning, it's like we're freezing time. Like, true story. It's like, it's like everything just freezes and our children come and sit down and we just calm down and there's this calm delight around the fireplace. But actually, all it is is just us being present. The fire is just calling us to be present. There are moments in your day, there are fire pits all around you that are calling you to be present. There is that moment when your child locks eyes on you that is calling you to be present. There is that moment your spouse tells you something which is not just general information, it's a cry for connection that's calling you to be present. There's that moment when the worship team strums up which isn't just us church on Sunday, it's I'm ready to lift my hands and my voice to the King of Kings. It's calling us to be present. A life that practices joy is a life that knows joy is present. Caroline Leaf has this really cool name for it. She's a neuroscientist. She calls it the conscious awareness of good. 
That's cool. Like, if nothing else, that's just cool. Like, three people know what I mean by that, but it's just awesome. Second thing about joy, second thing about joy is it's not afraid of repeating itself. Like, joy, joy is not afraid of repeating itself. Like, every time I pick up balloons, you know what they scream? Party. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter if it's a kid's party, an adult's party, the church's party, like Link's famous for birthday cakes and balloons. And the truth is joy doesn't get tired of repeating itself. You wanna practice joy? You wanna learn to feast on joy? Learn to repeat the things that produce joy every time. Colors, balloons, wow. Like joy doesn't get tired of repeating itself. This is my mountain bike helmet. Hope you enjoyed that little video. I like love that Gerbs made me look like I can actually ride a bike, you know, but every time I put this helmet on, as ridiculous as I look for you, I feel joy, a momentary experience of positive emotion. Why? Because joy isn't afraid of repeating itself. I never put this on and think, oh, I can't believe I get to go for a bike ride in the beautiful nature that is the North Coast. Every time, every time I look at this helmet, it reminds me of the joy of what I get to do. Joy repeats itself. It isn't scared of repeating itself. You know, you have those kind of people like, you know, life just becomes so monotonous. Life just, that's called habituation. How you break it is you repeat it, maybe through somebody else's lens, like I do with my son, but you repeat it. Joy repeats what has always been beautiful, all right? What about this little photo over here? Like, this is my middle daughter's coloring in, right? Taya, she's awesome. She's gonna be a world changer. She already is a world changer. But this is like the 2,455, 13,000 photo that she has ever colored in for me as a dad. Parents, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I know they're all stacked up in a drawer somewhere in case they check. But I'm just telling you, like she's brought me this photo like two days ago and she's like, Dad, what do you think? You know what I'm like? Joy goes, wow. Because joy isn't scared of repeating itself. Practicing joy, feasting on joy, learns to repeat things that are always beautiful. Wow, Taya, that's amazing. The colors, the greens and the oranges and the purples and the reds and, and where they like, yes. Wow. Joy, you know, when you guys start singing every Sunday, Joy and me goes, wow, we get to do this again? Joy is not afraid of repeating itself. Third thing about joy, write this down. Joy embraces pain and doesn't avoid it. Feasting on joy is about embracing the pain, not avoiding the pain. This is powerful because some of you are thinking, yeah, Dill's just the happy guy. Like Dill's just pretends that life is. No, 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 no. Joy doesn't pretend that life is. Joy embraces what life is, but realizes that we still have life. Joy embraces pain. It doesn't avoid. In fact, if you haven't written anything else down, please just write this down for me. Joy embraces pain. Like just write that down. Joy embraces pain. And the next time you're going through pain, you realize joy isn't outside of this. Joy is all around this. Joy embraces pain. Let me tell you a quick story that'll help you understand this. A few years ago, um, we were in hospital with, uh, well, we had a little boy named Joel, right? Two years and a bit. And that day was a crazy day. I've got some photos to tell you the story, all right? The day started out like everyone would imagine, just an ordinary day. It was a Saturday morning. 
It was beautiful. And me and my friends, the Hayden Rakes, decided to go and watch some sports. So we went to Kingsmead Cricket Stadium. We watched the Proteas, and uh, that was cool. And then we heard there was a rugby game on, so we are like, maybe we should just do a rugby game while we're at it. Because joy lives in the moment, right? Joy is not scared to repeat stuff. So we're going to go and watch all the games, basically. Like, we're just going to geek out on sport for today. So we go and watch this, this game, and we're sitting in the stadium. And while we're in the stadium, Tess messages me to say, I just feel like i got some cramps in my tummy, and I'm just going to go to the doctor and check it out. So I'm like, that's cool, baby. We here at the Sharks. Kids have got, like, extra sloppy chips and Coke, and, like, it's amazing. All right. Hour later. This is a picture of Tess in the hospital bed. Just going to check it out. I'll read it to you. Sometimes life doesn't go according to plan. Our little buddy is trying to make an early entrance into the world, and I keep telling him it's better inside, but he's not so keen on missing out on his big, bold, and brave life ahead. He really needs at least 48 to 72 hours inside me, so we'd love your prayers and want to believe for a miracle to make it for Friday at Link Church. We're at the rugby at four, She's in her hospital bed at five. We're in the moment, right? Miracle. Well, we didn't get that miracle. We got it of a different style. This is just after that. Like, same day. Here's us in the OR, the surgery ward. Emergency Caesar, eight weeks early. Your kid's under pressure. We got to move. And here I am taking a selfie. Like, I'm not sure that was the wisest thing to do, but here's what I'm thinking. You gotta get this. I'm thinking, I don't know how this ends. Like, genuinely, like, the story's awesome now. Joel's riding around on his bike. In that moment, Doc looks at me and goes, your son's eight weeks young. Like, he, he shouldn't be coming out now. We needed the three days. We're going in. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna capture this moment. Why? Because joy lives in the present and joy doesn't avoid pain. Here's what I realized in this when I look back. Joy was wrapped around us in the pain, not outside of it. Joy was all around us. He was in the OR. And then just a few minutes later, and I remember when Joel came out and they showed me him and I had to kind of close my one eye because I'm a bit squeamish if I'm really honest. Me and Mark Slev share the same blessing. But as he came out, I just screamed, champion. Still don't know what's gonna happen. Still don't know how long this is gonna be on his body for. I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know if his lungs are gonna kick in. And you know, my, my faithful friends, come on, can I just spare a thought for those passionate believers out there? And I, I, I'd like to think that I'm one of them. Like, we always knew he'd be okay. But no, you never. You never. You had an inherent faith that he would be okay, but you never knew that he'd be okay. You see, joy doesn't avoid the pain of moments. Joy has its ability to wrap its arms around the moments. Joy is not threatened by pain, loss, anger, and betrayal. Joy wraps its arms around the full spectrum of the human experience. Joy acknowledges heartache and loss and yet responds like, but we're here still. We're here still. People who have lost loved ones too soon people who have experienced extreme tragedy. There's something about them watching the moments that has life has produced for them and still looking up and going, but we're here still. Joy embraces pain. Next thing, joy lives beyond conventional wisdom. Oh, I love this one. Conventional wisdom is simply this. We all agree on things that are good and helpful for our development, maturity, uh, successful lives, right? 
So things like brush your teeth, it's just helpful. Things like floss your teeth, things like put a bit of savings in the bank, things like uh, make your bed, things like um, have good manners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is a conventional wisdom that we all agree is good for our development and maturity as human beings. And it produces good things. It has its place. But joy lives beyond conventional wisdom. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by this. Uh, psychologists and theologians would agree that there are typically three big ideas or stages to joy. There's the starting point, which is what they call naive, disconnected, immature joy, which is life's amazing, life's perfect, life's just gonna be great. Like, don't even worry about the hard stuff. It's all gonna be fine. That's stage one. They call it lightness. They call it naive lightness, all right? And then if you step into the reality of life, which is, it's not fine. It's actually, I set out on the journey and they left me. I started a business and they wronged me. I did everything I should have done. You see, conventional wisdom is built on this idea of A plus B equals C. But the Bible gives us wisdom and joy brings into wisdom this idea of when A plus B doesn't equal C, when you did everything you should have and it didn't work out, that's where joy kicks in. It lives beyond the guards of conventional wisdom. So you get this naive lightness and then you get this reality of the heaviness of life and then you get what they would call the true lightness which is on the other side of the heaviness, the other side of the pain, the other side of the dark is this true lightness. You see, the cynic, the cynic lives on this side and dips his toe in what would be the heaviness of life. Oh, life's just tough and oh, life's just can't be thing and life's just, they never really go through it. They just remind you of what it's all about. The cynic is a lazy kind of response to the heaviness that life calls for us to walk through. But joy partners with the pain and journeys through the pain and comes out on the other side in what they call a new lightness. Here's what happens, right? So the cynic comes to you and says, oh, it's just never gonna work out. So Africa is just not gonna work out and the marriage is not gonna work and your kids, did you understand the schooling and thing? And you know what the joy factor does? The joy factor goes, no, 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 no. It's way worse than that. In the end, we're all gonna die. But we're here now. We're here now. You see, I think the church could do well to realize sometimes we're just dipping our feet in the waters of pain and suffering. Listen, jump right in, get in the heaviness. So when the cynic comes and says, life is not, life can just, just, and either they're around you or they're inside you, but just continue the sentence. Nah, it's way worse than that. In the end, we're all done, but we're here now. I think this is what the writer of Ecclesiastes was referring to when he called life a meaningless vapor. Like, have you ever, have you ever thought of vapor? Like, have you ever thought of like, he says life's meaningless, it's like a vapor, gone. And like, you gave it a good go and it still never worked out. And you kind of pursued the relationship of your dreams, it's gone. And South Africa, we, we, just, we just thought we'd be further than we are. It's meaningless vapor. But the writer of Ecclesiastes, the ultimate wisdom that we read about in the Bible says, yes, it is vapor. Yes, it is gone. Yes, it is disappearing. Yes, it is short. Yes, it is fleeting. But it's still here. We're still here. We still have seconds. Yes, it was sore. Yes, it didn't work out. Yes, it's over, but we're still here. So we're gonna say with me, enjoy it.
kind of start to close now. See, joy is powerful. Forget happiness. Feast on joy. You have today. You have this moment. You have a sunrise. You have good friends. Don't be the cynic that dips their toe in the waters of the heaviness. Jump right in with a strong, passionate pursuit of a feast of joy and come out on the other side with a new lightness that agrees. Life is unpredictable, but we're still here. And so we're gonna enjoy this moment. The fragility of life, someone said like this so beautifully, doesn't intimidate me. It informs me to make the most of it all. The fragility of life, I don't know what to expect. It doesn't intimidate me. It informs me to make the most of it all, to make the most of this next moment. Last thought about joy. Joy brings heaven nearer. I love this. You know, when you're sitting around the dinner table and kids are laughing and you have like a perfect dinner, like they're one in a million, right? But you have that perfect dinner. Maybe the friends there, maybe there's music playing. Maybe it's Bon Ava, I don't know, big fan. But there's this moment at the table where you go, this is what life is all about. What are you even saying when you say that? This is, I'll tell you what I think you're saying. You're connecting the best of what you've experienced to the future that you dream of and you're going, I hope there's more of this. This is what it's all about. It's like, it's like, when you find that creative flair and it works, you're like, this is what I was born. This is what it's all about. The best of your past, connected to everything you dream of, experienced in a moment. That's joy. In your marriage, it can be like that. You're like, oh, this is why. It's like the best of what we have and the future that we dream of. It's all, this is what it's all about. Joy brings heaven nearer. Joy has a multiplying effect. Forget happiness. Feast on joy. Forget happiness, feast on joy. Joy has a multiplying effect. Uh, they call this the halo effect. Such cool terminology, right? They say joy has a halo effect, which is to say, when I see and experience something that brings me great joy, when I live in the presence of that moment, when I bring heaven nearer, when I embrace the pain and don't avoid it, when I am all these things that joy is, when my life is kind of this practice of feasting on joy, right? And by the way, I can't feast on joy for you. Only you can. Like, we all got access to this big, beautiful world that is life, but you got to build an appetite to actually enjoy it. I, I can't eat the goodness for you. You gonna have to eat it for yourself. But when you're doing all this, they say there's this halo effect. As I, as I feed on a moment that brings me joy and as I appreciate a moment that brings me joy and as I calibrate myself to the pain of this moment and yet there's still joy because I'm still here, what it does is it creates this halo effect. So although it's a moment, watch this, it brings momentum to my life. They say people that walk with joy or an ability to feast on joy attract perpetual favor because they're walking with a halo effect. They are attracting more of what they've been attending to. You see, the practice of joy isn't just a nice Christian idea. It is a powerful practice of hope. And when my life is full of joy, when I've feasted on all that life offers, it becomes a momentum to all of my life's offer. And it starts to bless people around me and it starts to change atmospheres around me. And I'm just telling you, friends, joy multiplies. Joy multiplies. Back to Romans 15, 13. It's where we started, right? So we know God's called us to make a life of prayer, but He's also called us to feast on joy. 
And some of us are all excited about life of prayer. Some of us are all excited about life of joy. These are all practices that produce hope in us and hope never disappoints. So watch what Paul says. He says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace so that you would overflow with hope. That word fill you with joy is the word furnish. It's basically saying, may the God of hope furnish your life with the possibility of joy and may you feast on it so that you could overflow with hope. It's like he's saying, he's saying when you awake in the morning, God has furnished your life with joy. He's laid it out. It's in your children, it's in the atmosphere, it's in creation, it's in the songs, it's in the sounds, it's in the relationships. He's furnished it. The God of hope has furnished your life with joy, but only you can feast on what has been put before you so that hope may overflow. And sometimes it takes me getting out of my bicycle with my little boy to remind myself that what has always been there in the furnishings of my life is now being seen through a fresh lens in somebody else, and this time my former my son. Friends, may you, may you know that there is a life around you that has been furnished with the possibility of feasting on joy. May you know that yes, there is pain, but beyond the pain is this big, amazing concept of joy that wraps its arms around all of the human experience. May you know that God is for you, not against you. May you know that the God of hope has given you enough in your world to feast on joy daily. May you have an appetite to feast on joy. May you see joy in the strangest places. May you recalibrate your life where it's become numb and bored and stale. May you recalibrate your life to enjoy what is all ready there. Worship team, can we start to sing about this hope? Can we start to believe that as we declare the name of Jesus, God, I declare that there is a feast waiting for your church. There is a feast waiting for your children, a feast of joy and a feast of possibility and a feast of hope. And so we declare that we would enjoy what's before us, that we wouldn't endure it another day without enjoying it in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's declare.